Welcome to the Dare to Hope podcast. I'm your host, Keith Hinton. Hope is not a concept that is easily explained. In a Google search the other day, I came across several attempts to define or explain it. One said, hope was a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Another suggested hope was to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen. And those are true. However, the Christian hope is fundamentally different. It is not merely a feeling of expectation or wanting something to happen. Hope in the New Testament is more certain than that. One of the Greek words for hope in the New Testament means favorable and confident expectation with regard to the future. This hope we have is focused on a person. Paul begins his first letter to Timothy by pointing out that Christ Jesus is our hope. The Christian hope in Christ is described by the writer to the Hebrews as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. Well, today's message is yet another attempt to explain this unexplainable hope we have as Christians. We've called it the hope within us. We are in First and Second Thessalonians today. I've really just picked out four verses and put them there in your notes. Uh, it is throughout the, those uh, chapters in those two letters, uh, really the theme of hope, and that's where I want to go today. We sing it at Christmas. You know the song. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Did you hear that phrase? The hopes and fears of all the years. In fact, if it would have rhymed, it probably would have been better to say all the fears and hopes of all the years are met in thee tonight. The picture is this, at Bethlehem's stable could be found, indeed, whether you can name them or not, all the fears of humanity, including our fear of death, our fear of sin's consequences, our fear of life itself, fear brought on by guilt, fear that we could never be free from sin, fear that this life is all there is. You name the fear. But there at the manger in Bethlehem that night, all those fears interacted, intersected with hope. A hope that conquers all those fears and more. This hope found in Bethlehem's child. But hope isn't an easy concept to visualize, nor is it easily grasped. That's true in spite of the fact that we all need it, and in fact, all of us here possess it to some extent in our lives, and if we're Christians, to a large extent. Hope is part of life, and the absence of it is, is so powerful 
that it can often even snuff out life without hope. You may may not remember him at all. I really didn't until I got his book. But Danny Goki, which I think is the way you pronounce his name, was a top three finalist in season eight of American Idol. And I just put this in because I knew some of you American Idol fans would perk up now that I mentioned it. (laughs) Aside from his success on American Idol, his story is one of tragic loss and sadness and the hope that sustained him through all of it. He wrote a book. The book is called Hope in Front of You. And in the book, he makes a statement at the very beginning that puts hope in a little different light for me, that it helped. It actually helped me as I read it even this week. He said, hope means nothing unless it's all you have. Hope means nothing unless it's all you have. Think about it. As long as you have lots of stuff or lots of things going right and everything's doing okay, you know, hope isn't such a big deal. But when it's not, when in fact nothing is going right, everything is falling apart, your world is crumbling, the sky is falling, then hope means something. In fact, it means everything because it's all we have. He goes on and says that's what makes hope dangerous. It makes it unpredictable and life-changing. It can make us believe the impossible is possible, shielding the mind and guarding the heart from the difficulty right in front of us. Without hope, our dreams seem out of reach, unlikely, and impossible. Hope is a major theme in the New Testament. That word, that Greek word for hope in our passages today occurs 54 times throughout the book of Acts and the epistles. Now, you may or may not have picked up on it when you read through First and Second Thessalonians this week, but Paul refers to the Christian hope five times in those two letters. And there are at least four implications in reference to hope that I want us to notice here this morning. First is this, that ours is a hope that endures. Chapter 1, verse 3, we remember before our God the Father, your work produced by faith. Our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This hope is a steadfast hope, and it's based on God's promises through Jesus Christ. Somebody has said a man or a woman can endure anything so long as he or she has hope. For then that person is not just walking in the night, but walking toward the dawn. There's hope. Hope is a powerful motivator. I read about an experiment that happened several years ago in the psychology department of Duke University. It uh, is not an experiment that really appeals to me and probably won't appeal to you much either, but they wanted to see how long rats could swim. So in one container, they placed a rat for whom there was no possibility of escape. He swam a few moments, 
ducked his head, and drowned. In the other container, they made the hope of escape possible for the rat. The rat swam for several hours before finally drowning. And the conclusion of the experiment was just the opposite of what we would commonly think. We usually say, as long as there's life, there's hope. The Duke experiment proved, as long as there's hope, there's life. And that's what we're saying. Hope is an essential ingredient in our lives, and it certainly is an essential ingredient in our Christian walk. Hope produces strength to go on when it's hard. Hope gives us strength to stand against the world. Hope produces strength to endure the storms of life. I found an interesting statement in watching the movie, the second movie, Hunger Games. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't want to see it, I can understand. But in a discussion in which the evil president, that's my assessment, is being urged to crack down even harder on the districts to produce more fear, the president said this, fear does not work so long as they have hope. Fear does not work so long as they have hope. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a true statement because hope motivates us to keep going in spite of the opposing forces in our life. Commenting on this particular verse, Adam Clark points out that the hope of the Thessalonians was not an idle, cold, heartless expectation of future good. But theirs was a hope that produced a satisfying expectation of a future life and state of blessedness, the reality of which faith had seen and love anticipated. He goes on to say this hope is not hasty and impatient to get out of the trials of life and possess the heavenly inheritance, but one that was, a will- was willing to endure hardships and was just as willing to endure hardships as to enjoy glory itself. In particular, when God might be most honored, they do that, he says, in particular, when God might be most honored by this patient endurance. In other words, out of a desire to be pleasing to God and to glorify Him, the hope that we have is willing to endure the hard places. Again, In Goki's book, he makes this statement, faith does not preclude us from being broken. Instead, faith gives us the strength to hold on to hope when everything comes crashing down. Our hope is a hope that endures. It can go the long distance. It can sustain. It is also a hope that transcends. And and this one may be a little tougher for us to to comprehend, and yet not. But in verse 19, this is Paul. He said, for what is our hope? What is my hope, my joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? The hope we have goes beyond this world. It transcends the hopes of this world. It anticipates the reality of the world to come. And here Paul is anticipating 
a crown, but not a crown of royalty. It's a crown of victory. And that crown is going to be made up of those people who he has influenced in this world and whose lives have been transformed by the power of Christ in them. So Paul's hope of victory was enhanced by the power of the gospel demonstrated in these Thessalonians. You are going to be my hope. You're going to be my crown. You're going to be that which will bring glory to God in his presence. Again, Clark helps us here when he suggests that Paul is saying, I can have no prospects from earth. I have forsaken all for the gospel. And that's what he's implying in that statement. And I've esteemed everything in this world and all that it can afford as dross and dung that I may gain Christ. Why then should I continually labor at the risk of my life preaching the gospel? Is it not to get your souls saved? That you may be my crown of rejoicing in the day of Christ. For this I labor, and having planted the gospel among you, I wish to take every opportunity of watering it, that it may grow up unto eternal life. These Thessalonians were struggling with several things. In fact, we understand as we, uh, we look into that, that uh, church that they were troubled by the Judaizers and those who wanted them to, to uh, take on the practices of the Jewish customs. They were having doubts and questions and problems, and Paul wants them to be encouraged. Paul wants them to understand the hope that they have. It is a hope that transcends Paul is saying that part of his hope for future blessedness is tied up in lives transformed by the power of the gospel he proclaimed and upon which he based his life. And so, as we proclaim the gospel, our hope becomes tied into those people who respond to the gospel, who actually are transformed by the gospel of Christ. And one of these days, that hope will be revealed in a victory celebration around the throne. The hope we have goes beyond the hopes of this world and reaches into the eternal kingdom of God. And then, of course, this hope that we have is a hope that comforts. In chapter 4, at verse 3, we go there quite often, don't we? Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. The obvious reference here is to a hope in Christ beyond this life, which those outside of Christ do not have. Paul is telling them that they don't need to sorrow as those who have no hope. And in saying this, he is encouraging them to believe something quite opposite of the things they had heard, no doubt, in the past. In fact, commonly, the pagan world, the non-Christian world, stood in despair of death. They met it with grim resignation and bleak hopelessness. One of their number wrote, once a man dies, there is no resurrection. Another proclaimed, there is hope for those who are alive, but those who have died are without hope. 
Still one more teacher in that world says, when once our brief light sets, there is one perpetual night through which we must sleep. And on their tombstones were written things like, I was not, I became, I am not, I care not. Talk about despair. No hope in that. And that would be something that the Thessalonians would have been familiar with in their world. And so Paul comes along, and he declares something entirely different when they're asking the questions. The question is, we've come to know Christ, and we have this hope in us, but but what about those who die before Jesus comes? What about those who are dying? What are, will they? What what hope do they have? Because they only the only reference they had to all this was hopelessness. So Paul's declaration is quite a different testimony. He is saying the man or woman who has lived and died in Christ is still in Christ, even in death, and they will rise with him. Between Christ and those who love him, there is a relationship, listen, there is a relationship which nothing can break. A relationship which overpasses death. Because Christ died and rose again. So the man who is one with Christ and the woman who is one with Christ will rise again. So he says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, he says to this Thessalonian church, encourage one another with those words. It isn't bleak. It isn't hopeless. Death isn't the end of it all. So comfort each other with those words. This hope brings comfort to our hearts. I wrote those words on Facebook this week to a friend of ours who just lost his mother. She was a great woman of God. I've known her in years gone by. Her father, his father, was particularly helpful in my young life as a Christian. And when he reported that she had passed away, one of the things I wrote to him was, how precious is the hope we have in Christ at these times of our life. It's a great hope. And it is a living hope. And it is a hope that anchors us. You go over into Second Thessalonians, that second letter, the chapter two and verse sixteen, we read, May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us, and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. This hope we have is anchored in God's love. This hope we have is anchored in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. This hope is a gift of God's grace and is given to us by God himself. Listen, our hope is not in this church. 
Our hope is not in any church. Our hope is not in religion. Our hope is not in creeds or doctrines. Our hope is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. From Hebrews 6, we read, It is impossible for God to lie, since it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Other men see only a hopeless end. But the Christian rejoices in an endless hope. We have hope that springs from God's promises. We have hope based on God's character. We have hope as a result of God's actions. We have hope resting in God's love. We have hope in our darkest night. We have hope in our deepest despair. We have hope in our greatest sorrow. We have hope in our longest trial. Hope will sustain us when we're weak. Hope will guide us when it's dark. Hope will find us when we're lost. Hope will heal us in our hurts. Hope will rescue us when we're trapped. Hope will speak to us when we're lonely. Hope will comfort us in our sorrow. Hope will inspire us on our journey motivate us toward the goal, and anchor us in the storm. Hope will keep us from turning back. It will prevent us from giving up. Hope will surround us in the battle. Hope will shield us in the fire. Hope will cover us in the cold. Hope will correct the wrongs, repair the broken, and make righteousness triumphant. This hope within us is both sure and steadfast, an anchor of the soul, attached irrevocably to Jesus himself, high priest forever, and in the end, this hope will not disappoint us. And all the people of God who have this hope in their heart said amen. Amen. Thank God for the hope. Our Heavenly Father, We thank you for all that you mean to us today. And we are particularly grateful that you have given us hope through Jesus, our Lord. We thank you for this hope, O God, that is difficult sometimes for us to grasp or explain or somehow define, but it is a hope that anchors us. It is a hope that gives us security. It is a hope that Uh, helps us see the future with great anticipation. Lord, I pray that even this week, our hearts will be encouraged by the hope you've placed within us. This morning, I pray for those, Lord, who may be here today, who would have to confess in all honesty this hope is not springing up in their own heart. That their relationship with you is not what it should be. Or perhaps it doesn't exist at all. Pray for those, Lord, who are searching for hope. Searching for some kind of meaning, some kind of sense to it all. I pray that this morning you would give them hope. 
I pray that we would all realize afresh that this hope we have and that we need is in the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us as only you can in the way that you want to. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Do you have this sure hope springing up in you today? If not, I want to remind you that the hope we have within us comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, who is our hope. This hope can become your hope if you will surrender your life to Christ and determine that you will follow him. If you're not yet a Christ follower, may I urge you to reach out to God in prayer right now? And if we can help you, feel free to contact us by sending an email to hope at daretohope.life. Thanks for joining us today. Learn more about us on our website, www.daretohope.life. Follow us on our Facebook page, Dare to Hope Ministries. Remember, through Christ, God has provided a hope that will not disappoint us in the end. Which means, whatever our circumstance may be today, we can keep daring to hope. Christ